Welcome to this edition of the Crude Report. My name is Alejandro Barbajosa, and I am VP for Crude in the Middle East and Asia Pacific. And with me today is my colleague, Tom Reed, VP for Crude and Oil Products in China. Tom, welcome. Hello, Alejandro. Very nice to be with you. Tom has been leading our efforts in terms of delivering prices of crude delivered to the Asian market. And to set the scene, what I would like to do is to ask him, Tom, could you please describe to us why you believe such a liquid market for delivered crude developed into Shandong specifically ahead of anywhere else in Asia? That's a really interesting question. It just cast us back a few years, back to 2015, when the government partially deregulated crude imports for independent sector refiners in China. And there's a huge concentration of these companies in Shandong. It's around three and a half million barrels a day of uh, CDU capacity there, mainly comprising small refineries. And so when these companies were allowed to import crude, they flooded into the international market. But because they were very local companies and they, they weren't very familiar with international markets, norms and trading practices, they requested usually that their crew be sold to them on a delivered ex-ship basis, where really, you know, they don't need to worry about anything until the cargo discharges in port, and then they take ownership of it. And since that liberalization initiative began, you know, we've seen a veritable explosion in trade on a DES basis into China. And it's not just Shandong, you know, it's trade into other provinces in China, into uh, Hebei or Liaoning or Jiangsu or whatever. And it's no longer, of course, just the independent sector refiners where we see buying crude on a DES basis. We also see them buying grades like Tupi from Brazil on a DES basis because there's no FOB market anywhere for those grades. With the recent regulation challenges that oil companies are facing in China, would you expect any changes in the way that that crude is traded on a delivered basis? Well, now, here we get to the crux of the matter, because we do seem to be potentially at something of an inflection point, obviously, after a year in which the Chinese administration has launched a series of crackdowns on private capital markets around the country. It is obviously including the independent oil sector in this remit. And it does look like next year we are going to see trade contract, partly because the government is keen, I think, to put the independent sector back in its box or within definable limits from which it thinks the sector kind of escaped during the pandemic, that it imported too much crude, it refined too much product. It began to displace government state-owned oil giants as the suppliers of gasoline diesel in the domestic market. And I think now it wants to reclaim a lot of that territory for national champions. And I think uh, we are going to see the liquidity of that market uh, shrink a little bit in, in 2022. Will it go away? No, I don't think at all. I think, you know, it'll remain a large component of the global oil market. And, you know, there's around one and a half, two million barrels a day of spot trade going on here just to quantify it. But that will be, I think, smaller than what we've seen in 2019-20. 
And would you expect any shifts in trade patterns that would point to a different selection of grades being traded into China on a delivered basis? The reason why I ask this is because so far Argus has focused on five crude streams that I think you can share with us, you know, why you chose them and, and whether you might see a different selection going forward. I, I mean, so far we've seen a remarkable level of consistency in the grades favored by these independent sector refiners. I mean, the 2P that I mentioned earlier has been a, a real staple for them. In the last couple of years, we've seen enormous growth in demand for Yuan Sverdrup out of China. And the other grades that we assess, we assess Jano of the West African suite of grades, not because it's a particularly large stream, but simply because we had the most consistent liquidity in that stream actual liquidity is kind of dispersed through a range of Angolan and other regional grades. And we also assess Oman and we assess Espo Blend. And I think if there's going to be any change in trade patterns next year, I think possibly one of the things we might see is growth in the Espo Blend section of that market, because it trades more prompt. You buy it for delivery nearer to the date of trade. And that has benefited quite significantly from the uncertainty over the issuance of crude import quotas, you know, where refiners don't know if they will have import rights or how large those import rights will be in three to four months time. They quite often have to leave crude purchasing decisions quite late in the day. And that does tend to favor the ESPO market. The source of ESPO blend crude, as you know better than anyone, right, is just on China's doorstep. It's just up at Cosmino on Russia's Far East coast. So I think that might be one trend that we could look for next year. But I think I should turn the questions round to you. I think this is one of the things that we've been seeing a lot of in the last few years, and particularly, you know, has been in focus with the uh, the trade war and the, the pressure on China to increase imports of crude from America and the U role of U.S. crude in, in meeting demand for light sweet crude in other countries in the region, Japan, Taiwan, South Korea. Why haven't similar spot markets developed on a delivered basis? And what is Argus doing to bring transparency to whatever trade there is for other grades in Asia? Well, thanks for that, Tom. I must say I wish we would have a similar liquid market to what you've enjoyed in Shandong for the past few years, because Ideally, that's what we would like to capture, right? That liquidity and base our pricing on actual deals or at least discussion. There has been somewhat an exception outside China, and that is actually WTI. WTI traded on a delivered basis into Northeast Asia. So Argus does have an assessment called WTI delivered Northeast Asia that takes into account cargoes delivered into China, Japan, Taiwan and South Korea. And there we have enough liquidity against an indigenous benchmark, the Dubai benchmark, so that we actually see some transparency and, and Argus brings transparency to that market. But there are many other grades that also arrived not only from the US, but from the wider Atlantic Basin and from the Middle East that do not have an equivalent traded market. And we also have requests for pricing for those grades on a regular basis. What Argus has done is to put together a list of the most liquid or most frequently arriving grades into Asia and just take our FOB pricing. In the case of U.S. grades, of course, that's benchmark prices traded on an FOB basis out of the U.S. Gulf Coast 
and then adding a freight element. So that's FOB plus freight, which gives us a constructed CFR price. And initially, of course, there were questions about how quickly we would see the development of these markets independently on a delivered basis for us to be able to report them. But except for WTI, we haven't seen that development. And this has drawn the attention of the market to the FOB plus freight prices that we have, because in the end, they want an independent assessment for those shipments. And then obviously they can adapt that assessment based on the time spreads or, or whatever structure they want to introduce into their calculations. You know, that depends also on what freight considerations they have, whether they have to charter the vessel, whether they run the vessel themselves, etc. Many factors that are specific to each of them and where the FOB plus freight constructed price brings a standard against which they can compare and they can benchmark. I wonder which grades in particular we should be looking at in terms of these FOB plus freight assessments, these calculations. Well, I can tell you as an example right now that as we see strong demand for light sweet crude, especially when we see that, you know, hydrogenation processes are very expensive because of the high price of natural gas, light sweet grades coming from the North Sea, coming from Central Asia are gaining a lot of relevance. And also the Middle Eastern grades. We have in general Middle Eastern companies looking at how their grades are performing on a delivered basis against Atlantic Basin grades. And obviously, Middle Eastern crudes do not trade on a DES basis. So the only way to look at them and compare them with the Atlantic Basin grades is by doing this FOB plus freight calculation. So that's why it's becoming very relevant, because in Asia, you see the confluence of flows from all the producing regions, and not all of them have developed liquid enough or transparent enough markets to be able to report them based on an assessment of actual trade. So the constructed price gains a lot of relevance. And uh, that's really a trend that we wanted to highlight today. And uh, to access these various price assessments and for in-depth coverage of China's and Asia's oil markets, consider subscribing to Argus China Petroleum, to Argus Crude, if you're in need of a more global lens, our Argus Crude service offers daily prices, analysis, and news for over 80 international traded crude streams, including the assessments that we publish on a delivered basis. Information on these services can be found at www.argusmedia.com. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you'll join us again next week for our next episode of The Crude Report.